Hey everyone, don't worry about it. Just because I'm talking, it doesn't mean that we're having to skip another week. We just wanted to get to a couple of things before we got to our calls. First and foremost, Megan is back with us. Yay! Yay! Megan, how are things going? Uh, way better. Thank you so much. I hope that if we have any Texas listeners that they are doing much better as well. So it's it's warm. It's above your single digits. Uh, yeah, I'm no longer living in a 40 degree apartment <laughs> and the weather is a backup in its normal range in the 70s for me. I, that's I, ridiculous. I'm sh- I, that's unbelievable. Yeah, it's an anomaly for Houston. I think from what I've seen, Dallas might still be dealing with snow. That's so nuts. I mean, we hit 20 degrees today and I was like, it is so warm right now. <laughs> <laughs> the freak thing is. Is that living through that cold weather, now that it's 70s outside, I'm boiling. Like, that was too much whiplash for me. Yeah, it's crazy when that sort of thing happens. Uh, and we did have we'd have one more thing before we get to the calls, because we can't let anyone else say it before yes. we say it. And that's congratulations to our own Xena on her Silver Bolo Award presented by Joe Bob Briggs. On the last drive-in, yeah. Yeah, what thank I, you guys. I need you to run us through your reaction because oh I'm gosh. sure you got slammed on your phone with notifications. So much. Okay, so I was um working. I normally, I don't work on Fridays, but I had to finish up some stuff. And then my phone, it, it, was, it was vibrating. And I was just like, okay, well, it's probably because I think I tweeted something ridiculous earlier. So I just thought that people were <laughs> responding to that. And then it just, it kept going and going. And then there were... There was a phone call, then another phone call. And then, um, you know, shout out to one of my friends. She calls me and um, I helped her like, I want to say, okay, you guys don't care. The point is, she never We, we totally call. care. She's not, we she, absolutely she's not a, care. <laughs> she's not a caller. So I was just like, okay, well, let me just work for 30 more minutes. I'm going to wrap it up. And then, you know, I'll, I'll call her back. But then it just kept going. So I was like, okay, let me see. <laughs> and so, you know, with an iPhone, you know, I have this phone. And it's like when, you, when I look at it, then I'm able to, like, you know, see, like, my notifications. Like, they'll pop up. Yeah. But if I'm looking at it from afar without, you know, face recognition, I just see like a whole bunch of like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you know, notifications. And I'm just like, okay, I mean, I guess people, maybe I, che- I tweeted about cheese. I don't know. Always the cheese. Always. So I thought, you know, maybe people are really feeling cheese. So I looked at it and then it said the first tweet that I saw was congratulations, you know, lovely Xena on Twitter from Shutter. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my God, you know, so it was very, it was very shocking. Like, honestly, I'm speechless. I'm still speaking, like, still (laughs) speechless. Like, just thank you to everybody who commented, who called, who texted, who shared a video, who retweeted something. Like, I really appreciate it so much. It was just like a very, it was a very sweet feeling. So, thank you. It did (laughs) teach me that if I were a horror slasher villain, I would be Ghostface. Because when I saw that come on TV, I was freaking out and I was running to the computer room to tweet at you and smacked my hand on a doorknob. I don't even know how. I was like flailing. <laughs> so like for the last week, I've had this huge bruise on my hand. And it's oh, like, no. that's a reminder that you won. Thank you for that. I'm sorry about it. You don't have to be sorry. It's funny. I would be the klutz named Ghostface if I were a villain. <laughs> And so, it, just in case anyone didn't actually see it, so the the last episode of the last drive-in, it's the first at episode. The very end, the fir- Oh, sorry, it was the first episode of two. Yeah. Um, what was it? It was the last drive-in. What was the subtitle it's, for it? It's the Valentine's special. So it's the the, the most recent. Oh. Yeah, love. There you go. And it's the Tammy and the T Rex episode. It's the you watch the movie, yep. which is which is such a perfect movie, I think, to announce right? for Xena. Uh, That's because me. <laughs> yeah, Zena, you are our Tammy and the T Rex. Um, <laughs> so yeah, watch that through, and it's it's the last few minutes of that episode. Yep, and the silver bolo was for Zena's YouTube channel, the Real Queen of Horror. So regardless of the fact that I plug it every week on the show, go subscribe to her on YouTube, and you yes. can see exactly why she deserves the silver the Aww. silver bolo award. Thank you guys, and again, like seriously, thank you so much. And then also. Okay, this is going to sound messed up. I kind of forgot to tell, like, my family. There was just so much <laughs> going on. 
And so then, <laughs> you know, my mom, like she's a huge horror fan and one of my sisters. So they called me frantically like, oh, my gosh, why didn't you tell us? And I was like, <laughs> I have, you know, it was just again, it was just like a very like awesome feeling. So thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Keep up the good work. You're killing it. All right. Call one. Hey, it's Chris from San Diego. Hey, Zena, congratulations on your silver bolo. Um, what's your guys' favorite horror movie trailers? Um, or maybe trailers where the movie didn't actually live up to it. Cool. Thanks. Congratulations again. Thanks, Chris. And now everybody knows why we had to do an announcement beforehand, because Chris didn't get to be the first one on the podcast <laughs> to congratulate Zena. So, Zena, let's, why don't you lead us off? Favorite okay. horror movie trailers or trailers that maybe didn't live up to it? Okay. Uh, well, first, thank you so much, Chris. So, okay, I have three that, that popped up in my brain. So the first one, and I might get a lot of pushback. I'm not the biggest fan of Hereditary. However, okay. I mm. really love the trailer. The trailer is super creepy. It makes you, like, it's just very unsettling. And it honestly looks and feels like a nightmare, like a nightmare that yeah. you want to be a part of. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's the first one. The second one, I have to go old school and I'm going to go with Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, because mm. I love how it's just a very simple setup, like the camera slowly panning around in a little girl's room. And then, you know, this kind of like Freddy Krueger's nursery rhyme. And then his hand like pops out like a jack in the box, you know, <laughs> and it's just like he's in the corner because he's back, you know. Then the last one, um, I love old trailers where they say the title like a million times. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> don't. Don't. Right? Don't. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, Night of the Living Dead. But remember how they were like, Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> like, <they're> just... <laughs> I think Friday the 13th, the they do that. Yeah, like, it's, it's crazy. But, yeah, a lot of movies, uh, they do the same thing, like Friday the 13th torso and i think halloween too so yeah cool nice how about you megan i went with i have a hard time with this question trying to think because i don't know that i pay a whole lot of attention to trailers but uh paranormal activity Mm. is the first one Mm. i can recall where they were playing a lot of um night vision audience Audience reactions reactions. that made me instantly like what has these people so terrified? I need to brilliant. know. Yeah. So brilliant. Yeah. So that you can bet I was in one of those early midnight showings of that movie because I needed to know if I was going to be having that kind of reaction like they were. And then the <laughs> other one was the 2013 Evil Dead remake um, because it's the first one that I, I that popped in mind anyways where I was constantly dissecting it. Mm-hmm. Trying to, because mm. I mean, you're picking apart, at least I was, like all of the nods crammed into that, you know, from the car to the obvious lines to, you know, even the Michigan sweatshirt and the placement mm-hmm. of the cabins. Like, I was a little bit of a fanatic about that trailer that, you know, I want to see it. It looks like it's going to be good, but how close is it going to replicate it? Yeah. Mm. So, for some reason, that one just got me real good. What about you, John? Uh, I had a few. I mean, we've already talked about this. Like, I adore the Candyman trailer, mm-hmm. like with the the the, yeah. the silhouettes. Yeah. I adore it so much. I don't even care if the movie doesn't live up to it. It's such a good trailer. Um, I also really liked Us. Us had me just wonder, especially like the family standing at the end of the driveway. Oh, You're just yeah. like, what in the hell is going on? <laughs> um, another one that really got me, like the Strangers, really got me. Mm-hmm. Like that was just very much like a what what in the hell is this? Also, like yeah. and you know the which the movie was pretty much exactly what the trailer presented. Like it right. wasn't a big surprise. The other one I really that kind of dawned on me was the Grudge, the the, the remake, the, the new Sarah one? Michelle Geller remake. Oh, okay, the two thousand two. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean <laughs> now the movie didn't live up to the trailer, um, for me, but it. I went to see it in the theaters because I was like Sarah Michelle Gellar is in this thing and like in the shower and the hand and oh, the yeah. knuckles like come out of her yeah. hair and like the cat meowing under. The, I was like, oh, God, I don't know what the hell this is, but I'm fascinated by it because I, I didn't with the exception of the ring. I had no exposure to J-horror at that mm. point. Mm-hmm. So it was very much like I don't even know what I'm getting into here. That's and then the awesome. other one, I don't know if this counts as horror. 
is the Mothman prophecies. I feel like it's I don't know definitely on the fringes. Anyone remembers the trailer for that? I don't, I don't remember, remember the trailer. The trailer. Uh, the, the scene that it it always sticks in my head. Like it's cut together really smartly, but at the very end, uh, there's a scene where Richard Gere is on the phone with the Mothman or whatever, however you want to interpret it, and he's like, uh, "What do I have in my hand?" And you hear like chapstick and he opens his hand it's a little thing of chapstick i was fascinated by that but also like that was the most blatant product placement i've ever seen <laughs> let alone in a trailer that was amazing it was a perfect view of the label of the chapstick in his hand i was like that is so weird um but it got me i was curious i went and saw the movie i didn't know anything about the mothman i was completely confused through the whole thing yeah <laughs> but it got me you know sometimes a good trailer like it just yeah works. That's, i mean that's what it's supposed to do it's supposed to get your butt in the seats but it doesn't always work it. out but i love that you mentioned it chapstick like i'm intrigued like, <laughs> i was like what is going on here this is amazing like it like product placement had never even really occurred to me before obviously i'd seen it before and other stuff like gremlins or gremlins 2 or all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. but like that was the first time i remember specifically in a trailer them calling out a brand name and it was like perfect framing and everything i'm like this is so weird is this a chapstick commercial <laughs> it could have been they should have reused that footage for for later <sighs> they absolutely should have anyway call two Hi, this is Tyler from Missouri. Uh, your discussion about Western horror this last week got me thinking, uh, what is your favorite period horror? Uh, so it can be an old movie, new movie, as long as it is set in a different time period from the one in which it was made. Uh, personally, I really like We Are Still Here, Shadow of the Vampire, and Night of the Hunter. Um, and I also really love the novella A Colder War, which is um, an alternate history about the Cold War that's like set in a Lovecraftian universe. Uh, anyway, thanks for the podcast. Have a good one. Thanks, Tyler. Uh, I'll start it off just because I'm going to end up piggybacking on what you said. And I agree. Shadow of the Vampire is one of my all-time favorite period piece horrors. Willem Dafoe as uh, the vampire is he's brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's the, the fact... The fact that it's almost like a reboot of Nosferatu, but not. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so brilliantly done and, like... I don't know, like Willem Dafoe's delivery, even under all that makeup, and as Count Orlock is just, uh, it just captivating. I could watch it over and over again. Now, beyond that, kind of layups like The Witch, the recent, mm-hmm. The Vitch, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and I'm gonna cheat and say Overlord. We'll call oh. that a period piece horror. <laughs> it, why wouldn't you though? It, it is. is period horror. It is. It's just for some. It's funny because I don't know why. Like for some reason. Despite the fact that it's intrinsically World War II. Yeah. It's about World War II. Yeah. Not just set in the same time. It's about World War II. Yes. And it's horrific. So for some reason, maybe because it's so stylized, like it's like, like it, it it's bright, it's big cinematography, like for some, because it's not gritty or grainy or they didn't try and like, um, like mute the colors or anything. Maybe mm-hmm. that doesn't feel like what people usually try to do with like period like horror or period movies so maybe if that maybe in my head like that's why it doesn't seem <laughs> but it is period but it is so those are my uh how about you Megan I feel like I'm going to have some overlap a little bit with Zena here because I basically said all of Guillermo del Toro's output essentially is period horror. <laughs> I mean, you think about all of his his movies, Shape of Water, Crimson Peak, Pan's Labyrinth, mm-hmm. Devil's Backbone. Those are all period horror movies, and oh, I love yeah. them. Uh, Kronos, yeah, all of them, um, with the exception of maybe, I think Mimic was probably real time. And, yeah, yeah. It was uh, and Roger, Robert Eggers, not just The Witch, but also The Lighthouse. And he's meticulous on his period details. Um, mm. Ravenous is always mm-hmm. a favorite. The, the, I will wiggle into oh, any kind of one, yeah. yeah, Apostle. I love Apostle a lot Ooh. on Netflix. Um, The mm. House of the Devil did 80s so well without reducing it to your standard nostalgia. I feel like a lot mm-hmm. of people go mm. crazy with the 80s setting, and this was way more sedate and realistic. The mm-hmm. Awakening, if we like some period ghost stories which also could apply to the others. So yeah, there's there's mm-hmm. endless. I could go on a while. So I'm passing it off to Zena. 
<laughs> okay, so uh, Megan and John, you both mentioned, you know, some that were on my list, like John with Overlord. I love that movie as well, and it's just like it's just perfect to me. <laughs> and then pretty much all of Del Toro movies, like Crimson Peak, Chrono, just just everything. Yeah. Uh, but one that I'll add in there, uh, Ouija: Origin of Evil, um, because that one takes place mm. in the late '60s. And it just, even though I know it's like a horror movie, but that opening, you know, um, with the music and you can see their fashion, it just seems yeah. fun. So. They even added the little cigarette birds at the top, too. That, like, yeah. It's great. It was a nice touch. Yeah. All right. Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic, and Blizzard survivor, and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. I survived. Yay! And you know her from her award-winning YouTube channel and yes. website, Real Queen of Horror, and her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hey, hey. And I'm John. Nothing really going on with me this week. Aww. So if you're listening to this on a Wednesday, when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. If not, we're going to do a quick round the table for all the movies, books, games, anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile, too. So Zena, what's been filling your heart this week? So I finally checked out Good Manners, Good Manners on Amazon from 2017. Yes. And oh, I see you dancing, Megan. I see you. I'm dancing. So, <laughs> it follows a lonely nurse who's hired by a mysterious and wealthy woman as the nanny for her unborn child. And then the two women, they um, develop a strong bond, but a fateful night, you know, changes their plans. So this is like a werewolf musical. And I feel like that should just kind of be like for you to be like, yeah, I'm going to check it out. That's it. That alone. Um, and I don't want to give away too much, but, you know, this one felt like a fairy tale, but it's very. It um, yeah. It, but but it's like in modern, you know, in a modern dark city. And even though the story, it revolves around like a werewolf's uh, curse. It's also a love story and it's artsy. And it's about, you know, it explores relationships, motherhood and love. You know, you can't always help who you love. And also, there's a scene that I feel is comparable to Alien. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, it's horrifying. Um, oh, and then there's an adorable baby werewolf. I know. I just want to. You want to hug it. <laughs> hug the baby Megan, you, you like that one? I love this movie. I mean, I'm an easy mark for werewolf movies in general and <laughs> horror fairy tales. So, this this had that. Uh, it's just very interesting because it's like two different movies in one yes, or two yes. different story chapters of a fairy tale, mm -hmm. but it's really well executed. I feel like it's probably more like don't go in expecting your average werewolf movie where it's right. going to be scary. It's definitely more fairy tale and, and mm -hmm. societal kind of messaging. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's really sweet. It's a really sweet story, I think. Yeah, and it's just like I've I've I found like the the poster really intriguing because like I heard of the movie, but I don't I don't remember really seeing like any advertisement for no. it. Um, and it's like it kind of just like flew under the radar or something. So, but I mean, I highly recommend it. Kind of like what you said, it, there's werewolves, there's music, um, there's like a beautiful relationship, and you know, the, the werewolf is adorable. So. <laughs> Uh, then the next thing I checked out, Nothing But Trouble on Amazon from 1991. Uh, this is a black comedy horror about a businessman and his friends who are captured by this judge um, in this old, kind of like odd family backwoods bizarre mansion. It's a weird comedy horror, but it's such a blast. And I feel like the best way I can describe it, because I love describing it to people so they can watch it. <laughs> I feel like it's a mixture between the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Pee Wee's Playhouse. So you should watch it. You should watch it because of that. And it's been a really long time since I watched it. I remember watching this when I was a kid. Like, yeah, you know, and I'm not saying that this movie is perfect because it's not. Okay. Um, but there's like this guy who's so gross and he's literally falling apart. Literally. Like you would think that he's like, a part of the undead or something like he doesn't have a nose like where's his nose like there's just so much and um <laughs> john candy is in this i love john candy so much yes. so it's cool seeing him and then also there's like a roller coaster ride 
um, that has mechanical teeth. (laughs) And it chews people, you know, and spits their bones out. There are these two twins that are like gooey. Uh, Tupac Shakur is in this. Like, he makes an appearance. Well, Digital Underground. Yeah, Yeah, Digital Underground. It's just like the music is great. Like, I just, well, there's like a musical scene in the in, like. Yes. What the hell is going on? All of yeah. a sudden, Humpty Hump is out there singing, and Dan Aykroyd is playing like the organ, and it's like, what is happening? <laughs> this so was much. his directorial debut and only yeah. directorial effort. Right? Was it? His, yeah, his only because it was his hand. <laughs> I have to oh, ask yeah. you, Zena, though, because I'm like you. I saw this as a kid once. And then I recently saw it probably a few months ago for the first time. So when I was a kid, I did not pick up on the penis nose. Wait. Did you not pick up on his penis nose either? I was grossed out by those those hot dogs or whatever. Now, I never liked hot dogs, but now it's just kind of like, get them away. Uh Just revisit that hot dog scene because the the penis nose is very, like, noticeable (laughs) in that scene. You were probably distracted by the hot dogs, but I I did a double take. Like, wait, what? What? (laughs) It is what you think it is. But yeah, if you if you haven't seen it, or even if you have seen it, I recommend just giving it a rewatch. It will definitely brighten up your spirits. So, what about you, <laughs> Megan? Uh, obviously, I didn't get to watch a whole lot last week, um, for obvious blizzardy reasons. But I watched Silent Madness. This was a Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray release. Uh, was part. It was like at the tail end of the golden age of slashers, you know, 1984 release. I watched this in 3d because yeah, I will, I'll get to that. I'll tell you the plot first, which basically a criminally insane man is accidentally released from his mental hospital. The staff tries to cover it up, but a young psychiatrist travels to the college town where he committed several murders to find him and warn the locals. And obviously the body count starts piling up. Um, I have a PS4 VR, and I was in the mood to play a game I hadn't played in a while, and I remembered, because I bought this for the, I think it was the Black Friday sale I bought, Silent Madness, and I realized Mm -hmm. that I can watch 3D movies on the PS4, because I don't actually have a 3D player. So yeah, that's Hmm. a, a nice little trick if any of you happen to have a PS4 VR that, yeah, you literally just put it on and watch that and so I got to see it in 3D which was actually really cool because you know there's there's a depth to it in general but then you see the obviously intentional with the the various weird murder weapons like there's one mm-hmm. scene where this the the lead final girl which is the psychiatrist is in a vent she's trying to escape and he's got some kind of weird metal contraption that he's la- like lowering down to spin attack I don't know what it is but that was in 3D and that was fun. Um, it's got a plot that kind of sounds like your generic slasher, but the way that they do it is very interesting because it's not like this deranged lunatic gets let loose on a college town and goes crazy killing college co-eds. I mean, that kind of happens, but it's almost peripheral to the investigation that she's taken upon herself to find out why is why did this happen? How did he get released? Um, and why are you covering it up? And then they are doing whatever they can to cover it up, which means if they, she gets killed in the process, that's perfect for their agenda. So Hmm. it's this kind of interesting, like inner job politics that, that weaves in with this story that it does have a couple of interesting twists to it too, that I really liked. So silent madness, it's a pretty strong slasher on its own that I really enjoyed, um, but the 3D element was pretty fun, too. Ooh, okay. So, yeah, that's what I watched. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you two know what I watched, mostly. <laughs> so, first up, Megan's pick, 2005's Fragile, which I watched on Amazon. A nurse at an old children's hospital struggles to protect her charges from a mysterious and evil force. The hospital is at the point of being abandoned when a train crash brings multiple victims to its doors. Amid the chaos, the nurse is drawn to a group of orphans who seem to be under the influence of a restless spirit that haunts the hospital. Okay, so I'm going to change the format around a little bit. I want you two to explain to me why you like or chose the movies before I tell you what I thought. Okay. I'm curious. (laughs) I'm going to take that to mean that he hated this one. 
which is fine. Uh, I liked mm. this one a lot. I saw this before Wreck. Didn't really have any context for the for the filmmaker. Um, I'm always a sucker for a good ghost story, and a lot of this creeped me out. So this was this perfect blend of creepy ghost story and fairy tale. And it's kind of like the orphanage in many ways. So I liked it, and that's why I recommended it. <laughs> okay, Megan. <laughs> I liked it. I will fight you. No. <laughs> well, your assumption was wrong. I did like it. Oh, wow. I am surprised. I was surprised. just more curious. I didn't I, I'm just curious. I just like to hear the rationale before I dive into it. I, I was, I really, it's, I really liked it, especially for a PG-13 horror movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it's actually pretty effective with the scares. Uh, it's got some very sparse moments. Now, I have difficulty with, uh, with uh, like, children horror mm -hmm. or horror that involves children and bad things happening to children. I mean, mm -hmm. hurts my daddy heart a little bit. Yeah. I just have to remind myself, I'm watching a movie. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> so, like, especially, like, the opening scene, a kid breaks his leg twice and under mysterious circumstances. I was just like, oh. I just want to give him a hug. I know. Uh, but, you know, and I was kind of like, holy crap, that's Calista Flockhart? Exactly. Like, yeah. what? I think it was probably the last movie. I think this was the last movie she was in, actually. Was um, it? But she did an excellent job, too. Yeah. And honestly, like, the actual ghost creature effects is insanely disturbing. Yeah, she's... Super yeah. effective. And when you see it... Yeah. Towards the end, it's like, oh, I don't like that. Yeah, it's pretty good. Like, you would not think about rate. I never even thought about rating at all whatsoever when watching this. Yeah, so, you know, it's so common. Like, especially you see people, like, post about, like, some movies coming out or, or some horror movie. It's rated PG-13 and immediate the booze oh, yeah. echo around the internet. Yeah. But honestly, like it does just because PG thirteen doesn't mean you can't make good horror. You no. can. Scares it's just you do have not different require parameters. Yeah. No no cussing. I mean, this is yeah. about children. So of course yeah. there's not yeah. going to be excess gore. There's not going to be cussing. She might have cussed in her first I don't remember, but there's there's not gonna be sex. I mean, this is literally children's ward of a hospital. So yeah. Yeah, it's pretty I mean, it's a short movie, but it felt like there was a pretty strong tension throughout to the point where i was like you know i know this sounds like a bad thing it's not that it felt longer because mm -hmm. it felt so tense because yeah. from the very beginning something bad happens <laughs> it's like oh crap okay here we go um no i thought it was really good it was a good pick I, and i wouldn't have watched it on my own because it's not nice. really necessarily in my wheelhouse so i appreciate it thank you yay now xena's pick oh 2012's excision also on amazon an outcast teenager practices surgical skills and has weird and increasingly violent psychosexual fantasies. That's the IMDb description. <laughs> she is covering her face with her hair. <laughs> you can't see her. Where'd Zena go? Zena, mm -hmm. why'd you pick this one for me? Well, because you know what? I am a huge fan of Anna Lynn McCord, and I loved her in like the reboot of 90210. She was always around that time playing the pretty girl and with her pretty problems. The no, pretty not, problems. <laughs> you know, pretty girls have pretty problems, you know, so she has those pretty problems. But no, um, I love the fact that she kind of stepped out of her comfort zone. Like, I think that she was also in a zombie movie, but once again, she was like the pretty side girlfriend. So I like the fact that she decided to do this role. And to me, you just, even though her character is a psychopath, it's sad and it's kind of, you know, like she she just needs help. Like it's the start of a serial killer. Like what what can you do? And then even I don't want to spoil it, but the ending, you know, between her and her mom, like it kind of just broke mm -hmm. my heart. And then I don't want to say what happened, but it broke my heart because it's like, what can you do at this point? Plus the director, I don't know. I just kind of like his movies. Like he has another movie that came out, I think maybe a year ago, two years ago, Tone Depth. I thought it was like a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, so that's why I picked it for you. And plus, there's a lot of blood. There's a lot of cool colors going on. There's, like, yellow and blues. And her fantasies are outrageous. There's, like, a crazy <laughs> cast going on, too. Yeah. Like, Ariel Winters plays her sister. Mm -hmm. uh, Malcolm McDowell plays... Um, wait, who the hell did Malcolm McDowell play? Oh, the teacher. Um, 
like there was a lot of people where I was like, John Waters. Tracy Lords is her mom. <laughs> like, yeah, John Waters plays the priest, of mm-hmm. course. Um, okay. So before I start, I want to say something that's more ironic than anything else. So the night before I watched this, I had like half an hour left of work. I was just looking for background noise, whatever. I randomly turned on the Transporter 2. Only because in the back of my head, I was like, oh, I think there was a really cool fight scene at the beginning of it. I just want to watch that. And I watched it, and then I moved on and and watched Excision. And then as I was watching it, I pulled up... um, Wikipedia, because I wanted to see what else Anna Lynn McCord had been in, because I didn't recognize mm-hmm. her from anything. She is the bait girl in the opening scene of Transporter 2. <laughs> she is the pretty girl that gets Jason Statham to get out of his car. It is, the connection was crazy to me. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> that girl is the same one as what I'm watching right now in Excision? Because, yeah, from what I could tell, she plays attractive woman she's she is an attractive woman boy did they they uh they glammed her down a little bit Mm -hmm. (laughs) like and it's a tough watch it wasn't an easy watch for me like her fantasies are pretty rough uh she's dark Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways but what i appreciated actually oh my god you hate it (laughs) no i wasn't no, okay. it's not hate. It's just, it's not my wheelhouse and not necessarily what I want to revisit. Okay. But what I actually liked about it was how funny it was mm-hmm. because it was like an interesting, awkward, funny, but I appreciate it on another level because the, the main, like the star is a very attractive woman who is playing a very awkward, socially awkward, unattractive, which is reductive, I but like bad skin, stringy hair, awkward, all this other stuff. But like sells it so well. Mm-hmm. Like she was crazy good in this role. She's like great. I felt like she is this girl mm-hmm. is messed up. <laughs> like <laughs> you gotta have a certain level of like darkness, but also you just have to be a funny person to be able to deliver it the way she did. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that personally. Okay. Um yeah. still a tough watch. Okay. Uh it was more tough watch, but not bad watch. Okay. Tough watch just because of the extent that a lot of this stuff went to. Yeah. Um, especially the ending was pretty mm-hmm. rough. Yeah. Um, uh, and but but also like really cathartic and sad mm-hmm. more than anything else, just because obviously at the very and you know and anyone who's watching who's heard I'm not going to spoil it. You get to the end and you're just like, oh. <laughs> Like, <laughs> Which isn't necessarily the reaction I was expecting mm-hmm. to have at that moment. And like, well, I was just gonna say, like, uh, with the actress Anna Lynn uh, McCord, uh, I know, like, a year after she did this movie called Scorned about this guy who cheats on her, she acts like mm-hmm. she's crazy again, but it's blatantly in your face. It's a fun movie. And then a couple of years later, um, she even did another one where she's crazy again, called Sixty Eight Kill. So just in case, if you wanna. Mm-hmm go on the McCord train, you can hop on it. So, I mean, it probably won't be the 90210 <laughs> reboot. So if anything, it might be those. Okay. Um, but I am not upset at either of your picks. Woo-hoo. Again, they're not in my wheels, but that's also the point of this. It's so I don't keep watching the same movies over and over again, because right after this, you know what I watched? Hell House LLC and Ghost <laughs> and Aaron Dragon Comics. That's okay. We like comfort but, food. Yes. Yes, but I'm not going to talk about either of those because my third one is the one that I regretted not watching sooner. Oh. It was 2019's After Midnight, which yes. is now streaming on Shudder. Love that It just one. showed up on Shudder, and I got so happy. The film follows Hank after his longtime girlfriend, Abby, leaves town unannounced as he discovers that a mysterious creature has begun stalking him every night. Son of a bitch. This is such a good movie. Like, <laughs> it is. Jeremy Jeremy Gardner, for those of you who've never seen, is a, he, he's in. Okay, Megan or Orzine, what's his zombie movie? I haven't the seen battery. it, yet, but I need to see it next. The battery. The battery. I saw the trailer and it looks outstanding too. Um, but otherwise, another one that people might might know him from, if you don't, you should, is Tex Montana will survive. It's available on Amazon. It, he is so unbelievably funny. Mm-hmm. And like, if you've seen After Midnight, Jeremy Gardner, he he starred in it, he directed it, he wrote it. He's he's Hank in the movie. He's Tex Montana too. 
like anything that you think he's funny, like you see that he is funny in After Midnight, but I like laugh out loud all through Tex Montana because he's so absurd, over the top, ridiculous. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. But After Midnight, you I mean it, it kind of had everything for me. You know, it, it was beautifully shot. It was well acted. Like his his best friend is played by Henry Zabrowski from last podcast on the left, and he's freaking hilarious. Side note, whatever it a, drinking the liquor out of a bar mat is not called a buffalo fart. It's called a train wreck. A buffalo fart is tequila and Tabasco sauce, or is bourbon and Tabasco sauce. Get it right. Oh, okay. I used to be bartender. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I get riled up about. People, there's nothing wrong with a train wreck. It happens. Um, but, like, everything about it, like the acting, and I know that I've mentioned this before, there's a 15-minute take towards the end of the movie. 15-minute single take, and it's mm -hmm. a very emotional scene. It's like, oh, my God. Like, that is such a commitment and dedication. And, like, because there could have been a cut easily. But it's yeah. just a one camera sitting on the porch. It's, I love it. The combination of humor and... It's a little scary, but not necessarily like you would think. It's like almost more emotional than scary. Like there are right. some scary moments and there is a creature or the idea of a creature or no spoilers, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's so good. And the fact that, you know, the fact that uh, Benson and Morehouse were involved and, uh, and um, wait, it's Aaron, Aaron Morehouse. Morehead plays a sheriff, right? And Justin Morehead plays Benson. a sheriff, right? Yeah, yeah. I think which one is which? I haven't seen. No, it Justin in a while. Benson no. plays the sheriff. There you go. I think you're yes. He's really good too. I think they have like a five minute uncut scene in there too. But it's so good. But this one was actually one of my favorite movies last year. I mean, I know it didn't come out last year, but that's when I checked it out, though. But yeah, also because it's like a romance too, so. Nice Lisa cool. Loeb needle drop. Yeah. Oh, God. And the very extended karaoke scene that, that really <laughs> committed. I did not expect it to go the entirety of the song. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it's it's a great movie. It's on Shutter After Midnight. High, high, high recommend. So we've, enough about what I've watched this week. What am I watching next week? <laughs> Megan, what's up? What, what's for me first? All right, so what's for me? That's words. What's for you? Words are good. Uh, I've decided <laughs> to kind of get you brought up to speed a little bit on your Christmas horror. You don't mm. like to watch it in December. Maybe uh, you'll maybe you'll go. like to watch it in uh, February or March. And don't worry, this is not as Christmassy as you're fearing. Uh, the Day of the Beast, which is on Ooh. Tubi. Day of the Beast. Interesting. All right, Day of the Beast. Uh, about how old? Uh, ninety-five. Ooh, interesting. I think that's the uh, that's our oldest recommend so far. All right, Zena, what do you got for me? Okay, so I kind of want to uh, keep things modern, a little bit modern for you, and it's between <laughs> two. So there's two, but you know, at first, I think I may save this other one for next week because I, I was just tweeting mm. about it. But with this one, I'm going to recommend Rent a Pal. And that one's on Hulu. Rent-a-Pal. Yes. That sounds familiar. I don't think I've seen it, though. It's kind of similar to, like, people feeling alienated. Alienated. So think about, like, either May from 2002 or Love Objects from 2003. Ooh, you Love know, people Objects. wanted that strong relationship. Just They just need one so bad. Awesome. Okay. Day of the Beast on Tubi and rent a on Hulu. All right. Can't wait. Yay. Thank you. So before we move on to the news, what did we watch and how did we watch it? So I watched Good Manners on Amazon and Nothing But Trouble on Amazon as well. I watched Silent Madness on Blu-ray. And I watched Fragile on Amazon. I watched Excision on Amazon and After Midnight on Shudder. All right, enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So, Megan, what's going on? All right. So, the lineup has been announced for South by Southwest's uh, 2021 virtual edition and the unnamed footage festival, Webathon. 
Um, so the upside to the pandemic, one of the few upsides, is that it's making film festivals more accessible than ever with virtual editions. So um, I wanted to note that if there are festivals in your area that you might be aware of, keep an eye on their websites for details on how to snatch up tickets or like a press pass because it's the screenings tend to be geolocked by country. So, for example, I'm pretty sure Fright Fest is the London genre film festival that I think is October. So if you're in the area, keep an eye on that one. We wouldn't be able to watch it. Um, Fantasia is in the summer for Canada. So yeah, just keep an eye. If you've heard of a festival, look on their websites for information because it's way more accessible and affordable to attend a virtual edition than it is to you know pay for travel, <laughs> lodging, and blah, blah, blah. So last year, South by Southwest, which is in Austin, Texas takes they were days away from hosting their annual event and it's a huge event when they had to cancel entirely because of mm. the that was when the pandemic lockdown started this year which is set for March 16th through the 20th they're going online they just announced their lineup much of the genre stuff is in their midnighter section and it includes premieres of Jacob's wife which stars Barbara Crampton that will release on VOD in April uh on VOD on April 16th before coming to shutter later this year so this would let you get a sneak peek early uh sound of violence which is a slasher that's also been picked up for release later in the year there's a whole bunch of stuff uh you can head to south by south uh sxsw.com to see the full lineup and get press pass information i think from what i saw it was probably like 300 dollars for a full pass which includes everything versus mm -hmm. a film pass to attend in person is normally at least 1200 dollars um, and Holy then, crap. yeah, so like, that's what I'm saying. Keep an eye. If you've heard of a festival, check out their website because, you know, and obviously I'll bring it up when, when I can, but it's an easy way to, while this pandemic lasts, this is an affordable way to attend. So I also plucked this for you, John, specifically, but similarly, the unnamed footage festival it's a san francisco based fest that focuses on unique and obscure selection of found footage horror first person pov cinema and faux documentary which is why it's unnamed they're launching a 24-hour webathon on march 26th it'll be a live one-time only day-long marathon of weird and exclusive in-world camera features and shorts alongside q a's with filmmakers and industry professionals professionals so beginning on march 26th at 7 p.m the event will be hosted by the forgotten legendary broadcast icon vernon herman salinger in his first return to the public eye in three decades and they're gonna have a bunch of other surprise guests so all proceeds for this event will be donated to nonprofit and independent cinemas across the country who are in need of support and virtual badges which include access to the 24-hour event for viewers in north america will go on sale the first week of march for 10 bucks that's it. Ten bucks for a 24-hour oh, nice. fest. So wow. the opening uh, film is Jillian Horvat's found footage movie, I Blame Society. He plays a fictionalized version. Oh, she. Sorry. She plays a fictionalized version of herself working on a documentary exploring her friend's belief that she has the ability to commit murder. There's also Dwellers, which is a collaboration between Megadeth bassist David Ellison and Bang Tango guitarist Drew Fortier. And it's a found footage horror set in the deep damp sewers of LA while shooting a documentary a filmmaker and his crew go missing while uncovering a terrifying and vicious secret below the city's surface. It's Chud meets Blair Witch Project featuring surprising cameos from rock <laughs> legends. So more details and additional wave announcements can be found at unnamedfootagefestival.com. That is for you, John, because I know you've been in dire need of a little uh, found footage reinvigoration. So maybe maybe it can be found. Yeah, it's equal parts exciting and ner makes me nervous. <laughs> it makes you nervous. As we've talked <laughs> offline about this recently, I I have become very disenchanted with found footage. Yeah. Mm. The ones that I've been watching lately, it's been very difficult to find good ones. A yeah. And it's not that because it, it, it's not that the movies themselves aren't good. It's that they've fallen into this really weird formula where everybody's unlikable. Mm -hmm. It's like, you don't need to do that. There is no reason in horror else or otherwise that you need, that you need everyone to be shitty. <laughs> you know, like I just watched one where they introduced a character solely to be the worst person you've ever met. And yet for some reason, he's friends with these people. Then another reason, for some reason he's going camping, even though he doesn't want to. And then there's, 
there's no payoff. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no payoff for him being a bad person. It's like everybody dies. So it's like, okay, well, why, why'd you have him? Like, there's no reason. Like, it's just, is it to make me feel uncomfortable? Because as much as I like that level of commitment <laughs> that the filmmaker's like, let's see if John's going to dislike this guy. I don't think that that's what they were thinking. So it's more just like you can, listen, there, people have dislikable qualities. I they do. say the wrong things. We do the wrong things. We make the wrong actions, whatever. That's fine. But if your sole arc, your sole piece of character development is I'm a shitty person, you're not, that doesn't help yeah. the, the story, you know? It's just like, why did, why'd you do that? <laughs> I don't know if it's just lazy or, like I said, I, I think, unfortunately, it falls back to, again and again, people thinking that in horror, you need to have people, the, the, the viewers either dislike so they don't feel bad when they die. Or they almost root for them to die. Mm -hmm. That wears thin really fast for me, personally. Mm -hmm. Especially when all of a sudden, everyone in the cast is also a bad person. I got to root for someone, don't I? Or at least find some kind of foothold into the story that is relatable for you. Yeah. You know, like, I I mean, if I like every single person in the horror movie, okay. (laughs) Like, I, I don't. I, I, I won't be mad at the filmmaker when they start dying. I mean, mm-hmm. frankly, that's part of attachment and character development to me. So I don't know. Like, that's, it just, yes, I, I, nothing but good vibes and good feelings that there are filmmakers out there that are doing it right and they will get the, the due exposure that they deserve. Well, who knows? I hope they're there. Maybe. I hope they're all there. I hope every one of those films crushes it. Yeah. 24 hour marathon. Maybe there's a gem in there for John. Um, so the past few weeks, yeah, movie for John, the past few weeks, there have been a bunch of character images, posters, and first look previews for the new Mortal Kombat movie. But on Thursday, we got the two minute trailer for the R rated movie inspired by the video game franchise. And I gotta say that this was a much needed adrenaline shot in my arm when I needed it most last week. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> I I also have to say that I was kind of indifferent to the idea of a reboot. Like, okay, cool. I'll take it. I, I don't care either way. I love the video game series. I don't necessarily need a movie, but I'm curious what James wants. This trailer, there's a specific moment in this trailer that I was, like, screaming from the rooftops. I was <laughs> saving that as a GIF. GIF, I don't care how you pronounce it. I say GIF because I don't like the idea of. It sounded like peanut butter, but that's a whole other tirade. Sorry. So anyways, uh, the plot synopsis kind of helps put some context in what the trailer uh, shows. So the plot is about an MMA fighter named Cole Young. He's accustomed to taking a beating for money, but he's unaware of his heritage or why Outworld Emperor Shang Tsung has sent his best warrior, Sub-Zero, to hunt Cole down. Fearing for his family's safety, he goes in search of Sonya Blade at the direction of Jax. Uh, who bears the same strange dragon marking that Cole was born with. Soon he finds himself at the temple of Lord Raiden, an elder god and protector of the earth realm, who grants sanctuary to those who bear the mark. There he trains with experienced warriors as he prepares to stand with Earth's greatest champions. So, yeah, this trailer shows a lot of the grudge match between Sub-Zero and Scorpion, some franchise staples, lines of dialogue... And a whole bunch of fatalities teased at the tail end of this two-minute trailer, which you can watch on Bloody Disgusting, of course. But I just want to talk about the blood knife. Because this was the moment. Did you guys watch the trailer? I feel like Xena did. I did. I did watch the trailer. I did. Do, do you have thoughts? So, okay. All right. I like the game, but honestly, I don't really remember the movies from the 90s. Okay. Like, I remember bits mm-hmm. and pieces of it, you know. Um, I remember, you know, always being that little kid screaming out Mortal Kombat, you know, because who who wasn't? Who wasn't that little kid, you know? But no, watching the trailer, I th- when they first announced it, I'm not going to lie, it was just like, okay, but who asked for this? <laughs> I, I didn't know, but I have to say I'm really excited about it. It looks I very know. modern. It yeah. doesn't look like they're they're trying to change anything. You know, I feel like even the casting, I feel like the cast The is casting perfect. is so good! perfect yeah 
Well, John, John has got this. He's he's the skeptical one to ground us, oh, right? No. Are you going to balance us out here? I'm I'm always skeptical about video game adaptations. Like, Fair. It's and Mortal Kombat on top of it is so fantastical in the first place mm-hmm. that it can very easily be done really cheesy. I mean, yeah. the a lot of the stuff that I saw looked cool enough, and it's going to be better than the originals. It just mm-hmm. will. Especially Annihilation. That's oh. not difficult. No. <laughs> but I do have fondness I, for the, the first movie, but yeah. Did you feel nothing yeah, at the I, blood knife? I mean, Sub-Zero literally takes somebody's blood and turns it into a dagger and then stabs them with it. And that is face-melting epicness. Nothing. So to go back to our earlier question about trailers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the scene was... There were some very cool scenes, some very cool shots, mm-hmm. and I'm still going to hold my breath on this one. Um, Fair. Okay. It's, it, it really, it, it's such a weird realm. It, it's, it's kind of a weird space to talk about it, though. Like, oh, I hope you really do justice to the Mortal Kombat video games. Like, what's that mean? <laughs> the video it, games. it already looks very fan service and it you know. Yeah, you know. So making it live action, it's more... Give me it's that more just carnage. how are they going to do that? Yeah, like when you're doing it live action and you're dealing with such fantastical effects and fighting moves and all stuff like that, like how are you going to find that middle ground, like to make it grounded enough to feel like okay, this is this might as well have been a cartoon mm-hmm. versus like this could really happen in real life. Obviously, I don't it's think... it shouldn't. I... Well, it shouldn't be either of those. I'm not saying it should be. <laughs> I was like, John, what movie do you think this is? But fair. No, but if it, but if it is live action, I mean, Godzilla and King Kong can still feel like it could happen. It's a big lizard. And it's a big monkey. Like, sure, why not? Maybe it so can. So you want to I mean, feel like these these uh, martial arts experts are going to train to protect the Earth in an alternate realm. <laughs> Got it. A little <laughs> no, bit. Just yeah. give me a hard time. In, in, in John's defense, though, I, I get it. But honestly, I think that's why I'm so excited about it, that it doesn't look cheesy. Because when I when they mm. first announced it, I thought it was going to look cheesy. But I feel like anybody could watch this movie. So say if you're not really into the video games, but you see the trailer or you saw the trailer and you thought, hey, this looks really good. Obviously, you're going to check it out. Like, Because obviously, there's blood, there's fire, there's a lot of like special effects going on. Yeah. But it looks good. It doesn't look like, all right, I'm 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 not going to waste my money on this, you know? Yeah. Um, and switching gears dramatically, Edgar Wright <laughs> is directing a more faithful adaptation of The Running Man. So we're still waiting for his horror movie Last Night in Soho. That's set yeah. to release in April. Just, I mean, it got pushed back. I think it was supposed to come last year, but hooray, pandemic. But he's just penned a deal with Paramount to develop and direct a new adaptation of The Running Man, the futuristic novel by Stephen King that the author first published under the pseudonym Richard Bachman. He will co-write the story with Michael Bacall, and they will be much more faithful to King's novel. Bacall will write the script. Mm. So apparently this was a dream project for Wright because when he was asked in 2017 what film he would make if he could remake any existing film, and and this was what he wanted. Um, So the announcement made a point to say that it's not a remake of the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. The King novel is very different. If you've read The Running Man, it is vastly different. Way more gritty, dystopian. Um, And if you do need a refresher, the premise reads that the story follows protagonist Ben Richards as he participates in the game show The Running Man, in which contestants allowed to go anywhere in the world are chased by hunters employed to kill him. So he's not a big macho action star in in the novel. He's more your average guy trying to carve out a living, and it's it's dreary. So how does that appeal to you, John? I feel like you're you're the literary of the bunch. (laughs) Uh, well, I love Edgar Wright, so anything he's attached to, I'm going to be curious about. And I remember, I mean, I, I saw The Running Man before I ever read it. So, like, I had Arnold Schwarzenegger in my head as I was reading the book, and I was like, wait a second, mm-hmm. what's happening here? But it, it is it is a compelling enough story. Like, the roots of it, like you said, I mean, your synopsis was spot on. It's You basically escape for long enough to get the reward but the whole world is looking for you because it's the most popular show in the world 
So good luck trying to escape. Um, uh, you know, with Edgar Wright at the helm, I, I'm excited. I'm more excited to hear about this adaptation than I heard the the Long Walk is being ad- or potentially being adapted. I don't understand how you can adapt the Long Walk. That's a weird Stephen King book to adapt, in my opinion. Um, Running Man could be pretty interesting, though, in the right hands. And it sounds like it might be in the perfect hands. Uh, and here's here's the scandalous remake news. Uh, Timo Gianto <laughs> has been hired to direct a remake of the South Korean zombie epic Train to Busan for New Line Cinema. It is being produced by James Wan's Atomic Monster and coin-operated's Gary Doberman, who is adapting the screenplay. So Gianto, he is, uh, if you don't know who he is, he directed or co-directed Macabre. Uh, he directed one of my personal favorite segments in VHS 2, which is Safe Haven. Pardon that crash from my idiot cat. Uh, he also helmed the face melting brawler the night comes from us if uh, the night comes for us which is on netflix so that is your homework between joe taslam playing (laughs) sub-zero in mortal Kombat and uh the night comes for like this this news go watch that if you haven't it's amazing he also directed the sam raimi-esque may the devil take you and the may the devil take you too um one of them is on netflix the other is on shutter So, anyways, in the original, a zombie virus breaks out in South Korea while passengers struggle to survive on a train from Seoul to Busan. So, I know that this automatically got people's feathers ruffled because Train to Busan is so well regarded and this movie is not very old. You know, I think this came out just a few years ago, just a handful of years ago. Timo said over Twitter... Nothing is ever going to top the OG. Train to Busan, a beloved horror in which I bawled my eyes out, never happened since Aminabar's The Others. Having said that, James, Gary, and I made an absolute oath. Don't disrespect and don't uh, disappoint the fans. And yeah, punk rock. So that phrase and this director choice, because he tends to do pretty visceral types of like horror or, mm-hmm. or action, um, made me think that this is not going to be your average shot-for-shot remake because I know for a lot of international conversions, uh, they tend to be, like, let the right one in and even record. Good grief, my cat's a maniac today. Um, they tend to be shot-for-shot for remakes, and I don't think that's going to be the case based on just this little bit of tidbit information that we have. Also, another possible tip-off is that we don't have any high-speed high speed rails in the U.S. like there are in Korea. So, <laughs> you know, not saying that they couldn't fabricate one for the sake of an alternate reality, but my guess is that there, this is not going to be what you think it is. But what, what do you feel about this news? Were you instantly upset? Do you have any care one way or the other? Um, well, I wasn't upset like a lot of other people, <laughs> especially on Twitter. People were losing their minds. Understandable. Um, it, it's just kind of weird because it's just like, you know, I, like you said, it is a new movie. So it's just yeah. kind of like it's weird that you want to remake it. And, you know, with the director, Timo, I, I like his stuff. I really do. Like, and I, you could tell that he loves horror. And oh, the passion he does. is there. You know, um, so I'm going to stay open to this because like you said, Megan, I don't think it's going to be a shot for shot. I think that perhaps they're going to do something a little bit different without being too disrespectful. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's all I could ask for. Um, <laughs> so I'm not upset that any movie gets made except for maybe like Megan is missing <laughs> or something along those lines. Because it's creatives, it's people making things. That doesn't bother me. Yeah. Uh, it, and frankly, a, a movie of this size is going to employ a lot of people. It's going to give a lot of people work and opportunities. It's going to be another venue for people to experience Train to Busan. They'll find the original through it if they haven't already heard of it. Exactly. All that stuff. Mm-hmm. That said, I have no interest in watching it. Oh. It's, it's not. I saw the original. You know, I'm still. You know, the old boy remake still kind of left a bad taste in my mouth like i don't yeah. understand what that old boy wasn't that old either and they remade it like what i think it that's, doesn't need to come to america but that's, i get that's that it's the, for money well yeah but like that's the thing is that international movies tend to have a much 
quicker turnaround time for a remake you know let let the right one in yeah. and it was mm-hmm. just a few years later it seems that that they were remaking that quarantine and wreck that was literally yeah. a two-year difference i mean i think that that's that's kind of the thing and one any remake is never going to actually touch the original it still exists um but i also think there's something to be said about there are people who do not like to read subtitled movies. There are people who mm-hmm. cannot read subtitled movies. Um, and so this is one sure. way to make yeah. it more accessible. So I get that. I also get your stance entirely. So, yeah, basically, hey, there's something for everybody. Yeah, I I, I hope it's great, but I'm not going to wait for it. Fair. I'll wait for it. I like you, Timo. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I, I mean, his involvement alone is really the hugest mm-hmm perk for me because i i adore his output so much that that that's the thing that will make me be like okay i'm there um timo Timo. (laughs) and interesting also news wednesday adams is getting her own netflix series with tim burton to direct so netflix announced a new live action coming of age comedy wednesday based on wednesday adams one of the most enduring pop cultural icons up to this point, she's always been seen as part of the Adams family, never on her own, so she's getting her own young adult TV series. The logline of the series reads that it uh, the series is a sleuthing, supernaturally infused mystery charting Wednesday Adams' years as a student at Nevermore Academy. Wednesday's attempts to master her emerging psychic ability thwart a monstrous killing spree that has terrorized the local town and solve supernatural mystery that embroiled her parents 25 years ago, all while navigating a new, her new and very tangled relationships at Nevermore. It will have eight episodes. It will be directed by Tim Burton. It sounds weird. Uh, <laughs> because it sounds like a gothic Nancy Drew or Scooby-Doo. Like a CW show. Yeah, yeah. which is fine. Yeah, like the weird stuff they did with Riverdale. And yeah, <laughs> and honestly, I'm okay with that, but I'm emerging psychic ability. That's the part that really like confuses me because I like that this was just a weird eccentric family who liked the macabre. So now we're gonna make her a gothic X man. It's a choice. So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> John's okay, like, just... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know there were like a lot of uh, people who were kind of had like mixed thoughts on this. There were some people who's like for it. But then there's some people that's just kind of like, okay, like you said, Megan, it does sound like a Nancy Drew, gothic yeah. Nancy Drew. Um, I'll be open to it, you know? Yeah. It's it's not clearly for, for me. It's not my demographic they're, they're targeting. I mean, it's a young adult coming of mm-hmm. age series, but it's just an interesting, I mean... It's definitely going to be interesting because Tim Burton has signed on to direct an entire series, and I don't think he's directed an entire series before. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. But I I need an explanation for emerging psychic ability. (laughs) (laughs) All right, listeners, your turn. Excited for Fatalities Done Right? Got feelings about American remakes of Asian horror films? Let's hear about it. The number is 224-475-1040. The number is in the show notes, too. If phones aren't your jam, don't worry. If you don't want to call and have your voice on the air or international rates are messing you up, feel free to email us at bedisgustingpodcast at gmail.com or keep an eye on our social media accounts for chances to ask questions. Finally, Zena's going to make all our lives easier in the sea of horror movie options and clue us in on what is appearing soon and what we should be watching. So, Zena, what should we be watching? bloody disgusting tv because just, <laughs> of course <laughs> but seriously just on friday they had an awesome lineup of movies they had brain damage the hills have eyes 2 rangu 2 and society so yeah, that's shunting. what you're missing out on so yeah uh bloody disgusting is always available tune in on the roku channel and it's on channel 770 and it's streaming free horror 24 7 so treat yourself Next up on Thursday, so there's three movies that's coming out on Thursday. The first one, The Pond, it'll be available on VOD. I was going to say VOD, you know. VOD. VOD. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in this mystic- mystical horror, The Pond is said to be deeply unsettling and in the tradition of folk horror. Um, there is a really creepy trailer on bloodydisgusting.com that you guys should go check out if you have not. Next up, Wrong Turn. It will be available on VOD and DVD. I haven't really heard anything too much about this one. Have you guys checked this one out yet? Yes. 
Megan has, and she won't say. Okay. One of our listeners has contacted me and was a fan regardless. Nice. There are there are Megan's fans. Review. Okay, yeah, cool. there are fans of this one. Uh, it's not for me, but it is for people that are All not right. me. All right. <laughs> And so then the last one that's uh, coming out on Tuesday, um, after the death of his mother, oh, this is Sacrifice. It'll be available on Blu-ray. And I actually checked out this one. Instead of giving you the synopsis, I'll just say it's basically about this guy and his pregnant wife. They go back to this Norwegian island that his family, they um, originally he was from that island. And people were just being rude to him at first until they find out his family's <laughs> name. And honestly, I really like it a lot. Like it's... Um, it, it, it's kind of cosmic, but then it also has like really like a couple of nightmare elements and Barbara Crampton is in this one. So, and she's just a delight. Mm. So, mm. and then on Thursday, the 25th, Megan also tweeted about this, that the dark and the wicked is coming to shutter and Megan yeah. highly recommends it. I do. I love this one so much. Nice. And then the last one, I keep on getting the name wrong. The vigil, the vigil. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be available on VOD, and it's said to be steeped in ancient Jewish lore and demonology. I'm sold. Sold on that alone. It's a good one, too. So there you have it. Solid double feature recommendation right there. All right, and that's Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at HauntedMeg. Xena can be found on her own website, realqueenofhorror.com, and the award-winning YouTube channel of the same name. Or at Lovely Xena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy, which doesn't win anything, but go listen anyway. You're a winner in our book. Yes. <laughs> Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Xena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. <laughs>